We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. this to order uh, because we finally have an update on Giannis Antetokounmpo who went down during Tuesday night's game four with what initially looked like a extremely scary knee injury and I, I think for at least like 30 seconds to a minute there I'm thinking this is a torn ACL this is the worst case scenario I was just talking to you earlier in the day about how the Bucks were the only healthy team and now here we are and then then you know Giannis kind of gets up and with Thanasis at his side you know starts to starts to look like he's walking a little better um, still still walking with a limp, kind of hobbling to the locker room. Um, but he comes back out briefly to the bench. And, and for, for a minute there, it's like, wait, he's not going to come back into this game, is he? And he eventually you know, goes back to the locker room where he probably should have remained the whole time. Uh, and we go back into holding our breath mode. But uh, about 15 minutes ago, we finally got an update, uh, courtesy of a, a small-time uh, newsbreaker for ESPN, Adrian Wojnarowski, who reports no structural damage to Giannis's left knee. This feels like pretty much the best case scenario, even though, uh, and, and we should know, this hasn't really been reported anywhere, but like the consensus is that he's he's not playing in game five on Thursday and pretty good chance he doesn't play again in the series, given that it's every other day. Either way, considering that there was certainly times over the last 12 hours where it looked like Giannis you know, was maybe going to miss the rest of the playoffs and then perhaps all of next season, this feels like a major, major victory for the Bucks and, and for Wisconsin sports in general, which we're, we're in dire need of a victory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm with you when, you know, you said you kind of feared the worst, um, especially like seeing the replay. Um, it was it was actually one of those things where I was watching on a slight delay. So I got like the tweets first and I was like, wait, what? Um, so I like kind of was like ready for it to happen and watched it. So that was that was bizarre as well. Um but yeah, I mean, I figured he wasn't going to come back into the game, 
either way, given the, how how bad the Bucks were playing the whole time. They were down. They might have been down 15 or 20 at that point. Um, yeah, it, it feels like dodging a bullet. You know, I think I guess at this point it's just still technically a hyper extension. You know, no no structural damage, but um, I you know they they listed him as doubtful. You and I were talking before the podcast. That's pretty much a gentleman's doubtful. Uh, I I don't think he's playing. Um, I don't think so. Either. You know, <laughs> in game five. So, I mean, I, I think you know maybe there's a chance he plays in game seven, but I, I would be shocked if he even played in game six. Yeah, it, it, the the scheduling with the playoffs have been kind of weird. And honestly, like you know, if if there was one extra day between game five and six, it probably wouldn't matter anyway. But you know, the the Western Conference has been way ahead, and yet you know they're they're still going every other day. Um, you know, it feels like the spacing hasn't been uh, you know, how it is normally during the playoffs. And obviously, there's some some condensing that needs to be done with the Olympics starting, I think, on July 24th. They don't want to bump up into that too much, but. Yeah, either way, I think that's the perfect term. It's a gentleman's doubtful. Uh, we've, we've seen a number of players who've been listed as doubtful when they're almost certainly not playing in these playoffs. And I, I guess the, the Bucks are leaving the door open for some sort of divine intervention where the Holy Spirit you know, descends from heaven and like magically heals Giannis's knee overnight. Like Technically, that is in play. That could happen. I don't think it's going to happen. But this now, like the even before this happened, and we'll get to we'll get to the game last night, you know, which obviously the injury has been the main storyline. But even before the Giannis injury, you know, we, we had talked time after time after time of like, all right, is this the one that finally slaps an asterisk on this season? This one might actually be the one where people have said, <laughs> OK, we've gone too far because there is now a very, very, very real possibility that the Atlanta Hawks are going to be in the NBA finals. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I don't want to say that they didn't earn it because obviously they, they've played extremely well. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this was the team that would have done it right. Cause you and I have talked about before where it's like any of the top seeds in the East or the West, like the top three, it's like, well, if, if these teams have made it to the NBA finals, it's kind of hard to call it an asterisk because these are all really good teams who will have a very strong chance of making the NBA finals anyway. And I think Atlanta is kind of that cutoff, uh, that cutoff point in the East where it's very unexpected. It's, it's it's one of the biggest I, I don't want to say it's like one of the the worst teams to make an NBA finals. I mean, I guess technically it would be, but um yeah, that that would I think do it in terms of people saying that well the season was just kind of uh as I mean, some people are gonna say it's practically a throwaway season. I wouldn't go that far, but we're on the same no, page. No, it, right? it's not. It'll be judged by the end result, I think. And if the end result had been fully healthy Suns over fully healthy Bucks or fully healthy Bucks over fully healthy Suns, like that that one was within the realm of possibility when the playoffs began. So I think it, I, I think that would have kind of trumped everything. We, we would have been like, all right, this was weird. The way that those teams got there was weird. It was a weird playoffs overall, but the end result is satisfying. If the end result is the Kawhi-less Clippers beating you know a banged up Hawks team in in five games in the playoffs like that's not going to feel right like there's there's no way that we're just going to talk about that like it's any other title I don't care if it's a year from now five years from now like it this one's at least going to be memorialized uh not even necessarily in a negative light but it's, it's going to stand out it will yeah when you when you know when we're five or ten years down the line and you look at like the finals winners or the finals matchups you're going to see if you see like Clippers Hawks you're going to be like oh I, re- <laughs> I remember when that happened because it was like one of the most yeah in some ways, it will be the most memorable finals in you know recent history, and also potentially the least memorable. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I mean, if if you're the Atlanta Hawks and now you you have a 
I wouldn't say a clear path. And, and we'll, we'll talk in a second about, you know, how the series now plays out, assuming that Giannis is, is likely done for the final two or three games. But I mean, you'll take it if you're the Hawks. Like I, I, if I was a Hawks fan, I'd be like, like, this is, this is just <laughs> oh, yeah. strange, but I mean, like in no way did I ever expect to even make it past round two. And now here we are, you know, with, uh, depending on how Thursday night goes, potentially a closeout game to go to the finals in Atlanta on Saturday night. Um, and, and, you know, Let's actually go back and talk about the game last night. So on top of Giannis getting hurt, and, and this came kind of right at the time where, you know, it was early in the third quarter. It, it did feel like the Bucks, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I felt like the Bucks were about to make a run. They were kind of in the midst of a mini run. Giannis had come out super aggressive to begin the third. And it kind of looked like one of those, like, I'm not letting us lose this game without Trey Young. And, you know, then then the injury happens, and Atlanta immediately goes on a 12-0 run. Like, what a way to respond and, and rally behind uh, your best guy going to the locker room. Like they just, they just completely packed it in right away <laughs> and the game was over. Um, but prior to that, I think Milwaukee turned in easily its worst half of the playoffs. Maybe it's worst half of basketball of the entire year. Like for, for as much as the honest injury deserves, you know, the, the spotlight for lack of a better term, that's the main story right now. And, and it rightfully is, but like at the same time, if the, if, the, if the Bucks now don't win the series because Giannis is out, that's a very convenient excuse for a team that I just don't think was that good. You know, like they, they had this game served up on a platter to take a 3-1 lead. And given the circumstances, they should have been up enough at halftime that they could lose Giannis in the third quarter and still win that game. And because they played so poorly in the first half, as soon as Giannis went down, there was just zero chance that this game was going to be remotely competitive. Yeah, I think um, that first half was like... I. It, it felt like they were nervous. I don't know how to explain it. Like, it just felt like there was a weird nervous energy. They couldn't, like, they just could not get anything going. The, Atlanta's defensive intensity was also very good. I don't think the, the Bucks were ready for that. Um, and you, like, yeah, and you mentioned it too. Like, it, it seemed like the halftime, I, I don't know if it was a halftime, like, plan or if Giannis just decided, you know, it, it, it felt like it, it was, you know, like, it was a very... Um, it was intended for Giannis just to try to like save the team <laughs> in the third quarter, um, you know, like plug all the holes in the boat and, and keep it floating. But yeah, once he went out, the team just kind of gave up. Cause I think they were, I mean, you know, I, I, like you mentioned, everybody else was playing so badly that they, they really clearly were relying on everything. Giannis, uh, you know, Giannis to do everything. And like, he, he just, once he was out, it was, it was over. Yeah. I mean, this was just such a, and I don't want to be too negative, but, you know, for all the people that were praising Chris Middleton after he bailed Milwaukee out uh, in game three, you know, that was an insane fourth quarter. I mean, one of the one of the best stretches of his entire career. These are the games where Chris Middleton separates himself from the truly elite guards and wings in the league. Right. You know, you have that big 38 point game three and then you just come out unbelievably flat. He was killing them on really on both ends. He was getting torched by Cam Reddish. Uh, could not, you know, he could had no answers for Reddish or Chris Dunn on the other end. Um, like th these are the games where when, when there are people who are like, you know, we're, we're like, what, five, six years into this Chris Middleton thing in Milwaukee. And there are still plenty of friends who I chat with during these games who are like staunch anti Chris Middleton guys. These are the games that they hang their hat on. He he can be polarizing. Like one of my friends, like Middleton's practically his favorite player. But I, I know there are, yeah, like you mentioned, there are other people who are like, this is the most, uh, you know, like overrated number two guy, you know, ever <laughs> for like a team that could potentially go to the NBA finals. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like I, it's just nobody, everybody's, I mean, Drew Holiday too, man. Like talk about another 
a guy who was also playing badly. Um, yeah. I, I felt like he had a couple, he had a couple like bailout threes where like, it felt like Milwaukee was just about to go down, you know, they were about to go down like 15 and then he would hit a three and be like, all right, now we're within striking distance, but everything else was terrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I really don't know what to think of like where the bucks go from here. Like, I think, you know, I was talking to, I was talking to AJ on Slack or, or you know, one of our hockey guys. And sure, sure. he's like, do you, do you think the bucks have a chance? Um, in this series, you know, without Giannis. And it's like, well, I think, you know, there's a possibility here that the Bucks kind of, you know, I mean, game five is is home court. It's desperation, right? Which is kind of what the, the situation Atlanta was in in game four. You know, Trey's yeah. out, it's home court. Everyone's desperate. They just want to, you know, uh, everybody has to step up. I think that could happen again, uh, this time for the Bucks. You know, so maybe they steal a win. Whether or not Trey Young plays, who knows? Obviously, by a chance if he doesn't, and then I assume the Bucks. I, I pretty much am under the assumption the Bucks lose Game Six. Um, but a yeah. game then then you then you go back to Game Seven at home in Milwaukee, and again you're it, it's a desperate team at home. Um, th- at that point, that's going to be like the you know the, the Game Seven could end up being just like is Trey Young healthy? Is Giannis healthy? Like yeah. those are that's like uh, I, I I don't know if we've ever. I can't I can't think of another another series where it could end up culminating to a game seven where both player stars are like 50 percent like they both are just like coming back and, and like desperately playing. Yeah, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
Yeah, I mean, we, we really haven't touched on Trey Young. Like, we have no idea where he's at. I, I will say he looked pretty healthy jumping around and cheering on the bench last night. I, I would guess that if one of these guys is to play the rest of the series, it's him and not Giannis. Um, and, and part of that is just, you know, Giannis's injury happened two days later. But I, the question to you is, so the Bucks are favored by two points. I'm looking at this on the DK Sportsbook, which is usually pretty good about getting this updated. Uh, most most, most sportsbooks are. So I, I don't think this is an outdated line by any means here. Um yeah, Milwaukee's still favored to win the series. They still have the second highest odds now behind Phoenix to win the title. I, I think there's still a belief that take away Giannis, you know, Trey Young is maybe a little hobbled, uh, that they could still pull this off. They have two of the three at home. Do you feel that way? Because we have not seen Milwaukee play a game without Giannis in the playoffs. <laughs> we have seen Atlanta play without Trey Young. And I, I mean, they're not a better team without Trey Young, but it, it really felt like it unlocked something where, you know, they're playing a, a little bit more of a free style of basketball. You know, the, the, the ball's moving around. It was. I forget who was even calling the game last night, but they they noted it multiple times. You know, it's like the ball is moving around. The Bucks are scrambling on defense. And when you take away a guy who, you know, usually has the ball in his hands at all times when he's out there, it, it opens up a little more freedom for the Bogdanoviches, the Reddishes, the the Herders, the Chris Dunns of the world. And pretty much all those guys look like they played pretty well last night. Well, that's the thing about the Hawks that we've, you know, I think that's helped them get this far. That's helped them. You know, they, they won plenty of games despite injuries, and that's their depth. And they're they're not deep with, like, pure role players, right? It's not like they have, they're have they deep with guys who are, like, just three-point shooters or just defenders or just rebounders. It's like they're definitely, they have guys like Lou Williams and Gallinari. You mentioned Reddish, who can, uh, is good on defense, but can also, you know, uh, get high offensively. Like, they, they have guys who can handle, they have guys who can play defense. They kind of have, they have well-rounded depth. The Bucks, on the other hand, I would not consider their depth well-rounded. Like Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are good, well-rounded players, but other than that, like a lot of one-dimensional guys, right? Like yeah. your offense kind of has to revolve around how many times can we get Bryn Forbes open for a wide open three? Can we post up Lopez on mismatches? Um, you have to hide Tucker in the corner. Can Portis give us good energy and maybe hit some pick and pop threes? Like, it's just going to be a lot of, you know, Drew and Chris are going to have to get their own, but they're also just going to have to, like, Bud's going to have to just draw up a ton of stuff to get the role players basically wide open or in mm-hmm. mismatches, which is something Atlanta just doesn't have to do as much because they they have more well-rounded guys across the whole roster. Well, and luckily, you know, the Bucks are coached by a noted strategist who everyone believes in and everyone knows will have something up his sleeve <laughs> for this game. Yeah, like, right. No, I have no faith in that at all. You're totally right about the role players. And here's something that stuck out to me last night watching this game. The Bucks have 17 players on the roster, as every NBA team does. Has there ever been a, a team that's this good and like a, a title contender that has like literally seven or eight guys who just have no chance of ever playing? Like, look, look at the roster. Justin Jackson, Mamadi Diakite, Elijah Bryant, Thanasis, Axel Tupain, uh, Jeff Green could probably be in that category, Sam Merrill, Jordan Nawara. These are all guys who are like suited up for every game and have zero chance to come in. Like, it feels like they're wasting a couple roster spots. Like, wouldn't it be nice to just have random veteran X? You know, like, I don't know. The first name that comes to mind is like a DJ Augustine type. Like, obviously he was on the team and he's terrible, <laughs> but like, what, I, like, are any of these guys really going to become anything? Like, it would be nice to have a potential campaign on your roster. Like none of these guys are, are seasoned enough that you can even feel comfortable throwing them out there. Like, I mean, they're basically going to be playing six guys, I, I think, right? Like we, we went through and did our, our projections for this game, assuming Giannis doesn't play. And I was talking to you, like, I don't, I have no idea what they're going to do. Like, does Bobby Portis all of a sudden play 
35 minutes? Like, does PJ Tucker play more minutes? Like, do they just go with five shooters at all times? Like, does Bryn Forbes all of a sudden play 30 minutes? Like, I, I don't really know what the move is. I mean, personally, I would, I mean, well, I, I, as much as you can put five shooters on the court, because we continue to talk about how bad the shooting is for this Bucks team. But I, you know, you're right. I mean, this, this team has no, the thing is like, you, you mentioned all their depth. All those guys are just like young, random, like G League guys. Like they yeah, don't, the Bucks aren't. Depth. Yeah. Like, like the Bucks have Jeff T, but that's the only sort of like veteran guy. And he, I mean, he doesn't even play. I mean, he's not, he's bad. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. not he like they, in, he got in the game last night and immediately threw a pass off a player's leg out of bounds. They don't even have someone like, you know, like the ghost of Wes Matthews or like, you know, someone someone like that that these other teams have. Like they don't even have a exactly. I mean, they're very far removed from having someone like a Jay Crowder, obviously. But um, like even like a like a Sarich, like these guys, like they just don't have anybody. We're, we're like talking that. a veterans minimum guy who's been in the league for three to ten years and you at least feel comfortable. Like you, you could just say, like, even if the guy's not good, like objectively, the numbers are bad. You'd be like, hey. He had one good play, like Josh Smith. Like I would be pretty happy if Josh Smith was on the <laughs> roster right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, give him, you know, give him five minutes, uh, eight minutes in this game, and see what happens. Um, I did see an Instagram post of his recently where he referred to himself as Smoothie Smooth. Uh, just want to get it out there that I'm fully on board if he wants to embrace that as kind of a full time moniker. The, uh, how old is he? That's a really good question. Like, I will, I will look like, it up. Do you want to submit a guess? I would say 33. No, nah, it might be too young. I'm going 34. Final answer. Okay. Those are both pretty good guesses. Um, We're getting an answer here. He is 35. Wow. Okay. I would have gone younger. I would have said 33 too. I, I I mean, it felt like he, he went out like right at his physical peak. He basically left the league. Um, <laughs> but like, that, that, that's basically that's... what we're saying. Like, where's Iman Shumpert? Why is he not on this team? He's played in the finals. Yeah. And, and again, like, uh, it's just, I like Forbes and Porges. I don't think they're playing enough, but that's not the issue is that they need guys beyond that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I can understand why they're favorites because, you know, Atlanta will have like, won't know the game plan. You know, it's the home desperation thing. I get why Milwaukee is the favorite, but I would never bet on them to win this game never oh, absolutely not I, I mean after last night i mean they were gonna lose this game i think anyway even if Giannis stays healthy like i don't i, I yeah, obviously I, they, would be, they yeah. would be bigger favorites if he was healthy but i could also see this line swinging back maybe in favor of atlanta or, or just moving to a straight up pick them if we find out that trey young is for sure gonna play i it's a surprising line because you you'd feel like everyone would bet atlanta like it doesn't feel like it'll end up being 50 50 like i it you're right. This line, I feel like, could be flipped. I feel like it could be Atlanta minus two. And even then, I'm not sure how much action you would get on Milwaukee. Right. I don't think anyone knows what's going on in this series or in the West. Like, both that game opened as a pick em. It's now Phoenix minus one tonight. Uh, but I, I think these are just like the biggest toss up series of all time. I mean, I, I think we, we we covered that on on Tuesday's podcast. Like, I, after watching that first half last night, like, I stand by my, my statement that the Bucks would have been like the worst finals team of all time. Yeah, I, I again, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I have no I, at this point. I mean, I, I sort of had a feel for for the Buck series. I felt like before Giannis went out, now I have no feel for the series. And then in the West, it's been the same thing because you know Chris Paul going out, Kawhi still gone. I don't know how the Clippers are doing this. 
I think the Suns will win tonight, but I still think this is <laughs> like I, I, you know, I can't be surprised if the Clippers pull out uh, the the game six win either. No, not at all. I w- I was firmly on okay, the Suns will will maybe give up one game here. But at some point, it wasn't even it wasn't even that I believe in the Suns that much. It was like I just think the Clippers are going to run out of gas without Kawhi. And if anything, they they seem to be like obtaining gas. They're gaining gas as as this goes along. And the, I, I think there's there's some like weird confidence with them where it's like I mean I, I think they like Kawhi, I, but I also think some of these guys are happy to prove like you know if you're Reggie Jackson or, or Marcus Morris like there there are players who are waiting for these type of opportunities. You know all these guys are stars at the high school level. Most of them are stars at the college level. Um, and I think a lot of these guys feel like I could do what that guy's doing. And when the opportunity is there now, now we're seeing that they can at least do a, a pretty reasonable facsimile. <laughs> well, see, now I feel like the Clippers are just hoarding all of the role players that the Bucks need. Yeah, like I, Bucks, felt, I felt that way about the Lakers, too. Like watching the Lakers just like struggle through that Phoenix series where no role player can hit a shot. And then the Clippers lose their best player and their role players become all stars like that. That just doesn't happen. No, and, that, and that's why you almost have to. You know, like it, it, it makes such little sense sometimes that you almost have to default to the coaching. You know, you have to be like, well, this must be a good coaching job. Yeah. And sometimes it's just the combination of players too. like it, there. There's so much behind like how this happens. Right. Like, how are we supposed to know Nicholas Patum would become like a serviceable, like good rotation player again? How are we supposed to know Reggie Jackson could put up 20 a game? It's like, I don't know how front offices are like supposed to know this stuff. I mean, you just. You know, you just you're just taking chances. And I think the Clippers, either it's good coaching or they got lucky with like every single role player they picked up. I think it's a little bit of both. I think I mean, nobody saw the Reggie Jackson thing coming. I think I think if the Clippers came out and said, look, we knew when we signed him that he would do this, like they'd be completely <laughs> lying. Nobody would believe him and they would be lying. Um, but at, at the same time, I mean, you, you got to tip your cap to it. Like anybody could have had Reggie Jackson. You know, one team probably could have offered him $500,000 more and he would be on that roster right now. And he's not. Um, but back to Atlanta, Milwaukee, then we'll wrap this thing up. It, if you're the Bucks, like, you know, obviously a d- devastating first half and even more devastating second half because of what happened to Giannis. You know, if, if you're waking up on Wednesday morning as Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday, like, do you feel like you could still win the series? I think deep so. Down. Not, I'm not saying I, what you would tell the press deep down. Um, I think so, man. I the thing is, they both. I mean, Holiday. Holiday's been on a big stage before. He he shut down, you know, the Portland Trailblazers. And oh, I keep going back to that series in terms of like why why you want Drew Holiday on your team. But he's been that guy before uh, to almost put a team on his back. Um, and and Middleton, I, Middleton. You know, I mean, at least in the regular season, we have a hundred percent seen Middleton without Giannis pop off and average like 30, you know, he'll average like 30.7 rebounds, seven assists in games that Giannis is out. So I think from that perspective, they probably feel like they can win, but I don't know. I mean, do you, do you have an answer to your own question? Not really. No, I don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like Drew has just played such a depressing brand of basketball that, that he would be Fuck like, no, nah, yeah. I don't think we're going to win this man. Like some, <laughs> something's wrong. Like, it felt like it's felt like the Bucks have just been like a broken product this entire postseason. And I guess with the exception of the Miami series, but you know, the shooting has been terrible. Like it's kind of coming to light that this roster construction is maybe not all that great. You know, like I said, I feel like they've wasted like four roster spots, you know, on guys who are just probably never going to become anything. Um, and, and some of like the, the, the plug and play 
style that they had these last couple of years where Giannis could miss a game and they would still win by 20. Just does it feels like it's a completely different team, right? And and that was so built around everybody's ability to shoot. The ball's always moving. Like they they played a very warrior style of basketball. And I I don't know what happened between 20, you know, the end of the 18-19 season and the you know, the start of I I guess even like most of last regular season it was like that. But essentially as soon as they got to the bubble, it's felt like they've still been a very good team, but like the the greatness, like that level that they can get to where it's like they could beat anybody on their best night. It feels like they haven't had one of those best nights in a really, really, really long time. Well, it's, I mean, some of the roster construction does come down to the decision that they made to shoot for, let's accumulate as much top-end talent as we can at the cost of depth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not, I'm not saying that's a bad move, but if your top three aren't, like, amazing uh, it's really hard for the other guys to step up. And right. in the past, the Bucks just had more depth. They had less top-end talent, obviously, because they were dealing with, you know, Eric Bledsoe at point guard, but they had George Hill. Um, and they had other guys around the roster, too, who were like, you know, they had Wes Matthews being able to hit threes. Like, they just they just don't have that this year. And it seems like they need it. Um I like I don't think they should need it, which is part of the reason why I think the coaching has been bad. But I, I think I think you're right to say it feels like a broken product. It feels almost like a weird, like alternate knockoff version of what this team should actually be. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been waiting on some sort of like explosive, um, you know, Drew Holiday doesn't like the offense type of article from the Athletic, but it it just hasn't come. I don't know. It's like it, they all. Holiday signed an extension like a couple months into his time in Milwaukee. Like by all accounts, everything is going well, but it just the results just have not been there. Um, and that's a good point by you that when you go with that top heavy approach, and this is true of, of a lot of teams, and we you know we saw it with Brooklyn, we've seen it with plenty of these teams over the years. When one of those three guys either doesn't play well or is injured, you know the depth that you've sacrificed to construct your roster like that all of a sudden becomes a major major problem and. I think if we're playing out this series and we say Trey Young is healthy the rest of the way and Giannis isn't, I, I have to lean towards Atlanta, even even with the lack of home court. I, I'm i with you. As much as I think the scenario could play out the guy outlined where it's just like the home teams, you know, the, win the next two games just based off of kind of, you know, momentum or, or desperation or whatever you want to call it. Um, it just it, it, it would feel like a miracle to some extent. Like it, the thing is, I, I it feels almost it almost feels like more unlikely because the Bucks escaped the Nets series. It feels like lightning striking twice yeah. in the same spot, right? If they were to if they were able to pull off beating the Nets um, in the way that they did, and then beat Atlanta with Giannis going down, it would just feel like how many like how many uh, miracles can one team like accumulate? And they swept the Heat in the first round. It's like like what what has this playoffs been for them? Right. And I mean, they already kind of caught their break with Trey Young missing this game. You know, like I said at the top, yeah. I, I think this we feel completely differently if they if they played up to their potential. And even if Giannis gets hurt at the time that he does, like they should have they should have been up 20 at that point. And you probably can still just bleed it out and win that game. And you're up three one and you just have to win one of the next three. Like in that case, I'm taking the bucks. They'll, they'll, they'll figure something out, especially with Trey banged up. But, you know, they, they came out flat in game one. And they came out even flatter in game three. And and you never know it, or in game four. And you never know, you can't plan on your best player hyperextending his knee. But 
you know, when you don't capitalize on these opportunities, like this, this is kind of what happens. Like, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad for Giannis, but I, like, I don't feel bad for the Bucks. Like, I, I, it, it, I, obviously they didn't like deserve this or anything, but you know, they're, they're in a tough position partially because of the injury, but mostly because they haven't been able to take care of business. The Bucks are not a team that um, kind of puts its foot down when it has the opportunity, right? Like they are oh, not a, you know, like, I can't remember, maybe it was Barkley the second during the halftime show, which I actually rarely watch, but he was right where it's like, this team does not have like a killer instinct. And I think God. he was specifically saying like, they lack one player who is like an absolute killer, like Kobe Bryant. And to Giannis' credit, he came out in the second half and was trying to play like that guy. But in general, they do not have that killer instinct. And um, <laughs> there's potentially a lot of reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, they they they're a team that so far has survived by just you know <laughs> blowing their opportunities and kind of surviving on luck to this point, which is like not a recipe for success in the long term, obviously. Yeah, yeah, that's very well said. Well, I mean, as we stated at the top, uh, overall relatively good news. I feel like this has been a pretty negative uh, Bucks focused podcast overall. But you know, the, the nice thing is Giannis will likely. Uh, be on the mend, you know, within the next few weeks here, if not months, but either way, we're not looking at something that's going to sideline him for most of next season. And the Brewers have scored 15 unanswered runs after falling behind seven to zero in the first inning against the Cubs. So things are looking up. The, uh, they are. They they definitely are. 